0: have any problem sending them home, Mm. right? With with the explanation that, listen, we're not going to get our best data today. Let's reconvene and do something, you know, do this another time. And I, I think for the most part, people appreciate that. This is the Fitting Room Podcast. Here's your host, Nate Adelman.
1: It's Monday. It means one thing. It's Fitting Room time. Welcome to the Fitting Room Podcast. I'm your host, Nate Adelman, alongside my man, John Monarski. John, thanks for being here today. Absolutely, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Have you been able to catch your breath from the last couple of weeks of Black Friday month, Cyber Monday? Your inbox being pounded with promotional emails. It's a lot to take in. It's the holiday. Tis the season. It is the season um and that 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 means a couple things well the weather has not been cooperating around here for anybody i don't think anywhere in the country the weather's been cooperating which means it's two things it's indoor lesson season it's tinkering season and it's uh i mean it's always fitting season you can always be talking about golf uh, equipment swings fitting anything so that's exactly what we're going to do today. We're going to talk fitting in, you know, at the end of the each year or actually each year here on the fitting room, we've tried, we like to get someone who works every single day with golfers here on the show. And we hadn't done one this year. And I felt like, you know, the year's winding down. Let's get uh, a, a Callaway, you know, staffer, a fitter from around the country who works with golfers each and every day. Um, to come join us on The fitting Room, and that's exactly what we're going to do. I think that's a great idea,
2: and I'm super excited.
1: So today our guest, uh, the, the topic today is really lessons from the field. So we're going to see what are the trends out there in, uh, for 2019 w- with respect to Callaway equipment. Um, and our guest uh, is, uh, I, I'd say, more than qualified. Uh, so Mr. Tom Ream, he's a Callaway staffer out at Prestonwood country club in North Carolina. He is also a member of the Callaway national fitters board, which i guess most people didn't know that that existed, but we have a board of some of the best fitters in the country that give us feedback of all of our products and how things are going. Um, and it directly is a direct bat phone to the way that we not only uh, design products, manufacture products, but also service fitters around the country. Um, and then, uh, of course he's also the director of instruction so we've talked about this as well—that fitting and instruction are so intertwined. Um, and I know Garrett has talked about this a lot—that people come in for a fitting, but they feel like they got a lesson. Absolutely. So um, Tom is is uh, he he works with about probably 400 fits per year, and a lot of those are his students. So he has a much deeper understanding of of those uh, of those of those golfers Um, and the at press Preston wood country club, they've got a nice setup. They've got some indoor garages that they can move outdoor to the range. So year round um, uh, you can do amazing, you know, high high quality, super premium fits. So we're going to dig into
2: all that with him. And I think he's got the latest and greatest technology out there. So I'm excited to hear what he, what he utilizes. So he's going
1: to call in in just, just a moment here. um, And we'll, if golfers are in the North Carolina area and they are interested to learn more About Tom, Um, he'll share some of that information at the the end of the episode. But um, again, uh, our guest is going to be Tom Ream from the Prestonwood Country Club. Um, And he'll call in in just a second. Just a few reminders while while we're waiting for him to call in. The Fitting Room Podcast is part of the Callaway Podcast Network, um, which includes uh, exceptional podcasts that you can get anywhere that you listen to your podcast, like the Girls in Golf Podcast, the Ship Show, the putting podcast, which is just getting going, um, and tons more content. Uh, anytime there's a tour win, we'll talk to tour players. You can hear it all here on the Calais Podcast Network. Please go to iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe. It helps pay John's bonus every year. So, you know, uh, every subscription, John gets something. I don't know what.
2: Please sign up, but more the merrier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, of course, you can listen to The Fitting Room uh, live. Uh, every Monday night on Sirius XM, PJ Tour Radio, and you can actually get your questions answered on the, on the air in front of the whole nation of listeners, uh, and we can dive into any any topic that you have. So that's every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Sirius XM, PJ Tour Radio. But, John, I think it's time. I'm nervous and excited, <laughs> combination of both. Uh, Tom is on the phone, so let's uh, get over to Tom. Tom, thank you so much for joining us here in the fitting room.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me.
1: Now, Tom, uh, this, this, uh, episode that we're doing is lessons from the field. And as we mentioned in the intro, uh, you've got a lot of experience, uh, working with golfers all year round, indoor, outdoor, um, and fitting golfers. So t- talk, us through some of that. Talk us through, uh, a little bit about your setup that you have over at, uh, Preston and, uh, and what you've seen this year from a fitting standpoint.
0: Well, we're, we're pretty fortunate at Preston Wood. We have um, a nice learning center with two bays. One is dedicated to fitting. Um, we have three TrackMan units. We have a Sam Putt Lab. We use all of those, obviously, in our fittings of you know, full swing as well as putting. Um, you know, the, the, the trend this year, again, I think it's, it's not just a distance category as much anymore because it seems like a lot of folks are creating distance. But, the, you know, the MLI, the forgiveness part of the golf, I think is getting a lot better and it's helping a lot more people that way. So it's been a great year for us and as well as the company.
2: That's great to hear, Tom. And you've been doing this since um, 89, it looks like. Talk Talk us through specifically <laughs> experiences, what that means. Talk us through some of the, the trends that you're seeing in the industry. Now let's talk about the driver in particular. What are you seeing from loft adjustments or length or anything like that? Uh, what you're seeing overall for driver fits?
0: Well, I think, you know, the, the companies that are going a little long, you know, they're, they're selling, they're trying to sell distance for me and for my players. Cause I'm mostly fitting my students. Um, you know, I don't like the driver to get much longer than 45. You know, we want to help them get distance, but we got to find it at the end of the day. So, you know, and, and the loft is just, I don't know that you could put a trend on it because we try to work with everybody as an individual. So it's its really just relative to what they need. But if, you know, with the the, the great new products that we have, I think because they spin so low, we can keep the loft higher and help with the launch angle via the loft. So that's been a great asset. And I think that's a big part of the market right now.
1: Now of the, you know, 400 or so fittings that you, you do each year uh, this year specifically, have you seen any particular driver model? Um, oh, uh, stand out, uh, amongst the rest has been some of the more popular, the most, most, uh, you know, works for the most number of golfers.
0: You know the, the two biggies this year were obviously Callaway, and then I'd put Ping in that same marketplace.
1: So that was so. Uh, so I'm assuming that would be Epic Flash this year. Yes. And and, and the, uh, did you see a trend from between the standard head, the Sub Zero head, and any common configurations with those heads?
0: Uh, no, I think they both really worked quite well. You know, again, if you really needed to fix the spin, the Sub-Zero was great. But uh, the standard head worked extremely well all year.
2: And kind of branching off of that, Tom, as, as we kind of work our way through the rest of the bag, um, you know, talking about the fairway wood and, and kind of the hybrid there. So typically, I mean, if you, if you were to fit fit um, one of your customers into the Epic Flash driver, do you typically match, match the fairway or do you test both the Sub-Zero version kind of back and forth? Or do you typically match to the driver that you just fit the customer to?
0: Well, I think as a general rule, we'd match it to the head, you know, with the driver. But sure. you, you do need to test because it may be a little different. Depending on what the guy is looking for with his three-wood, you know, if he's going to hit it mostly off the deck or if it's going to be, a you know, a backup driver, I think there's a big difference there.
1: Now, we've talked a lot about on this show about uh, the three-wood, especially with the tour players we talked to, being the most difficult club in the bag to fit because it ha- it demands the versatility. You have to be able to hit it off the fairway, off the tee, some guys even out of the rough. Um, what's your approach when it comes to the three wood and um, and how you go about making sure that, that that club is is the best possible option for for your customer?
0: Yeah, great question. You know, my take is I think we need to keep a little bit extra loft on it. You can shoot the loft out and make it a backup driver, but if it's going to be multifunctional, I think you got to keep a little extra loft on it so they can hit it up in the air and keep it on the green when they're going for par 5.
2: That makes that makes total sense. Are you are you typically seeing more players nowadays with um, you know with, with improved hybrid technology? Are you seeing um, you know three wood and five woods in the bag, or are you seeing more combinations with kind of um, two and three hybrids working their way into the the category?
0: Yeah, again, I think I'd go player to player. You know, my my lesser-skilled player or the guy that has a hard time getting it in the air, I find hybrids don't necessarily work. We're going to have to stay with the fairways just to help them get it to go up in the air a bit. Um, Better players, obviously, will shoot them into hybrids. And, you know, this seems to be certainly at the end of the year, kind of the year of the driving iron. So a lot of folks are going to that as well.
1: Now let's dig into that a little bit. Uh, you know, the transition between the irons and the driver is definitely, I mean, there's some science to it, but there's a lot of art in there as well. Making sure that, uh, whether it's knowing what each pl- the, what the player needs from a spin and launch standpoint, from a forgiveness standpoint, and, uh, even bridging from a shaft weight standpoint and making sure that those, those gaps go smoothly. So, um, you mentioned the driving iron. Why has that emerged as a as a trend uh, that you've been seeing? Like, what is it about the performance of those that have been gra- golfers have been gravitating towards?
0: I think it's just a control feature. You know, they can hit it. You know, in that 250, 260 range, and they can hit it in play more often. So it gives them a little bit more control, say, than a hybrid. It may not be as functional, but it's a great club for a lot of players. To be able to count on to get it in the fairway.
2: And and Tom, kind of a a, a big picture, I guess. If someone comes to you for a for a, a full bag fitting, do you do you try to conduct that over a couple hours? Do you try to break it up? How do you kind of go about that conversation?
0: So that's excellent question. So for me, I prefer it to be done over quite a bit of time. So and I explained to my people that are doing a full bag fit. You know, I've got to get driver done so I get top-end distance. I need to get irons done and then determine the longest playable iron. So then I've got both of those holes. I can fill the hole between the driver three-wood and the longest iron. And then on the other end, we're going to fill the, the wedges once we get those in so we can gap-fit them and then go to the short-game area and fit for grind and bounce. So to me, it's going to take um, – I'm going to say it's going to take maybe four sessions, but for me, I also have the luxury of having my people near me, whereas maybe some of the places that are you know bringing a, a person in for a two or three hour stint don't really have that luxury.
1: Now, I really I really like that that the the gapping between the irons and the driver doesn't happen until the player has the those clubs, so they have the game. you're not hitting demos, you're not hitting uh, you know like the screw in fitting heads. Um, that is like, uh, Tom said, a luxury. And John, I know you've spent a lot of time working with golfers doing full bag fits. How often have golfers been able to come back to do the second half of the bag and I guess if if they're unable to, what, what what's the approach that you're taking? Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean, to your point, Tom, to have the luxury to to be able to have them come back to make sure the specs are the way they need to be, to confirm nothing's changed, anything like that. I think that is a, a total pro, and it really kind of helps out with with that transition or that conversation. Um, you know, obviously having the fitting tools, the OFIS heads, to be able to kind of change the shafts in and out as you need is a nice. You know, a nice luxury to have, but to have that final product with the the grip and the shaft mm-hmm. and the length and everything fully spec'd out is a is a big plus. Mm-hmm. That way, the customer can feel more comfortable having their set in their hands and then start you know starting that process throughout the rest of the bag. Mm-hmm. So now,
1: so we've we've talked a lot about the woods the, I'll call them the hollow clubs, if you will. Um, with the driver specifically, we've seen uh, that regardless of whether you're a tour pro or a 18 handicap. You know, like Epic Flash would have been the most popular option that we we offered this year. But Irons, I think, is a category that there's way more options that certainly are very much more player dependent. So, Tom, I'm hoping you can shed some light for us on some trends you've seen over the last year in the Iron category. So um, everything from high handicappers to low handicappers. What have you seen players being fit into that's been working for them?
0: Well, uh, great question. So a lot of my players, you know, because they're students and they work with me, we, they tend to be kind of in that distance performance category like the Apex.
1: Mm. And,
0: and the new Apex this year just – it was an absolute home run for a lot of players. It, it really fit the bill from a distance perspective. It launched and spins very nicely. So I thought that was a great product, probably our top seller this year. Um then kind of working down into the higher handicap. You know, again, I think you're always looking for a club that you can help them get it to launch it and go a little bit extra distance. But I really work and try to focus on the back end. I want to get the ball to to spin properly and maintain enough spin and then create a landing angle that's going to be good enough to hold the ball on the greens. Everything here in the East is champion Bermuda, and it's very, very hard, so... We just got to get the ball to go up and, and come down with a good bit of spin. So I think that's really the big key. Regardless of the club, you got to make sure that the person can launch it and spin it.
2: That's I, I completely agree with you. And, I mean, obviously loft is going to have a pretty big factor kind of going into that. As we talk about loft and lie, talk to us about your your personal philosophy on lie angle and, and how you go about acquiring that or changing that for uh, for the customer you're working with.
0: Well, so again, I've got the luxury here, and I, I really don't like lie boards whatsoever. Um, I don't like the idea of hitting down into a hard piece of plastic to determine lie. So I, I do it, you know, through some testing with some impact and some judgment over the 30 years. But then also going back to the fit where, you know, the guy's coming back to me. I'm going to fit the lie to where I feel like it's going to be, and then when he comes back for the second part of the fit, I'm going to test them and fine tune where the lie would be right in how.
1: Great. I've been seeing that the lie board has, uh, in the last six months, I, I never really heard much about it for, you know, over the last however many years, but the last six months I've heard a number of people hating on the lie board. The lie board, is, it's not its time right now.
0: Yeah. I've, I've, again, I've been doing it for quite some time, and the people that taught me to sit were, we're never really very fond of a lie board, mm. so that's kind of stuck with my whole career.
1: And I know that the, the the golfers, and from my own experience as well, it's scary the sound that the lie board makes because it feels weird. It's loud. You think you broke something. You broke the club. You broke the board. It's it's just uncomfortable.
2: Exactly right. And so. And- Go ahead. No, and, and just, you know, hey, hey Nate, come over here. Let's hit some shots. Please, you know, hit off this this cart path here, right? I yeah. mean, you know, it's not the yeah. most comforting f- feeling no. or thought in the world, so I totally agree.
1: Uh so Tom, uh I feel
0: like people get too vertical when they when they hit off that board.
1: Yeah, that's true. The swing changes because you're like, Okay, we need an impact. The guys who are pickers, the live board doesn't help much anyway. Yeah,
0: I um, got no chance. <laughs>
1: Alright, so Tom, uh, you mentioned the Apex irons and the Apex uh, have been uh, probably the top selling iron for Callaway this year as well uh, just nationwide or worldwide um, and one of the things with those irons they launch really re- they re- they launch really high, they are uh, have the 360 face cup technology so they're going to launch high, they're going to be forgiving, the spin is going to be a little bit on the lower end um, but part of the high launch um, means that the lofts are going to be a little stronger than You know, irons were 10 years ago. So as lofts and irons really across the board from all manufacturers are getting stronger, how do you approach uh, the gapping on the low end of the bag? So, you know, the 52, 56, 60 wedge setup is probably not right for most people anymore. So how how do you go about, you know, when you do the irons, how do you go about bridging it into the wedges?
0: Well, so again, we're going to, on that back end we're going to determine whether the guy's going to be pitching wedge or gap wedge and then we're going to get those clubs in and then our, our wedge fitting is going to start you know indoors or outdoors with Trackman, and we're going to gap fit them first so determine you know proper you know distance gapping and i like to maintain like 12 to 15 yards so we want to maintain the, you know the distance gapping the spin the launch and then from there, we're going to go out to the short game area and test, grind, and bounce. Hmm.
2: And how about set wedge versus specialty wedge? Are you seeing are you seeing trends there, or is that also kind of a case of you know player dependency and and uh, and that road?
0: I think it's player dependent. My my question to my student would be, if you know, are they going to be using that set gap wedge for short game, or is it going to be more of a full swing club? So if if it's a full swing club I I wouldn't hesitate to put the gap wedge in if they're going to use it in short game then I prefer more of a you know a, a performance wedge that we put in there in, in in lieu of the set gap wedge
1: and have you seen uh uh any sort of patterns or any sort of mo- I guess most common setup from where what loft the specialty wedge starts at now
0: um not really. Again, because I think it depends on how the player launches, so it, it doesn't always match up correctly. Like you said, the you know fifty-two, fifty-six, sixty. I mean, oftentimes you're fitting and you'd think it would go in that pattern, but it doesn't. So it really is just player dependent on how they launch. You know, based on and then that's going to determine what lofts we're going to choose to maintain those gaps.
1: And then um, being in uh, in the North Carolina area. Um, what wedge grinds have you seen that have been uh, popular for the turf conditions out there?
0: Yeah, again, player dependent, I'd say. You know, we're, we're really looking at, you know, because we play in a lot of a lot of conditions here. You know, in the summer, we're very, very firm, tight Bermuda. But in the wintertime, this time of year, we tend to get a little wet. So my preference when we're fitting wedges, like the two performance wedges, is that we have a little bit of difference in the grinds and the bounce to allow the player to play throughout the year and ha- you know and have varying wedge, you know, abilities.
2: And uh So the equipment that we use on every hole, we're talking golf ball and we're talking putters, right? Mm -hmm. Extremely important to what we do and the success that that your uh, customers and the students that you work with see out there. It's critical to what goes on. Um, And oftentimes the putter gets looked over. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about, you know, your philosophy on putter fitting and uh, and what you've been seeing as far as trends go.
0: Yeah. So again, we have, you know, two technology pieces to help with our putter fitting, but to me, the, the, Putter fits a little different animal. Um, you know, again, I'm fortunate I work a lot more with my students than just the guy coming in off the street or into a store. But it, it's going to start more lesson-based with me. I'm going to get them set up correctly, get them in the right posture, um, and then build from there. So from a good setup, we can determine length and lie. Um, we're going to work on their stroke some. But, so before we start talking, you know, head shape and, and toe hang and things like that, we're going to start building out some stroke and get them comfortable before we go there. And again, I realize I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that in some art.
1: Right now, yeah, the the ability to have your fitting customers also be your students, it takes a lot of the pressure off, you know, sometimes let's say there's a guy every 3 years is going to go get a fitting or even less often. There's so much pressure on that day to produce a swing or to have uh, you know, like your game in a good spot or, you know, like there's golfers that are inconsistent where one day it's a miss to the right and one day it's a miss to the left. And they're afraid that what's it going to be on the day of my fitting and I don't want to get locked into a miss, etc. So the ability to have students and who also are fitting customers. I mean, there's no doubt that the confidence in that fitting uh, and the information that you have to make those fitting recommendations is going to be so much deeper than just a one day, uh, a one day fit. But the relationship between fitting and instruction, there's so much overlap there. And John, I know you've, you've also spent a ton of time in the bays and we've, we've heard that, you know, sometimes when people come in for fitting, they feel like they got a lesson because they're seeing on the launch monitor, oh I'm coming over the top here. Or, I I didn't know that I was 6 degrees from the outside coming into the ball and that helps them with their swing.
2: You're exactly right and it you kind of have to, you know, a- being the fitter kind of driving the fitting you have to be weary of kind of how you bring that up depending on the player right and you know tom as soon as you i mean like you said most of your customers are repeat customers but as soon as you start to interact with them pre-fit interview you're kind of trying to figure out the personality and the golfer type and and whether you can bring up those type of swing suggestions mid-fit or if you have to wait till the end of the fitting and say hey you know we'll talk about this next session or whatever it is it's a it's a fine line that you have to weigh those options to be able to approach that and, and, uh, and help the golfer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, i, I got a couple of points for you there. You know, I, sometimes people come in, they're nervous, they're not on their game. Um, if, if they're really off, I don't have any problem sending them home, mm. right, with, with the explanation that, listen, we're not going to get our best data today, let's reconvene and do something, you know, do this another time. And I, I think for the most part, people appreciate that. So,
1: yeah, I'll give them time to calm down. They'll understand what, what the scenario is and then be ready to go the next time. Um, now sticking with, go ahead.
0: Um, and then, you know, like back to the instruction part, I think, you know, particularly in the driver category, you know, they, they can come out of a fitting with a lot of understanding. I talk to my people about, you know, driver fitting, especially it's like a lesson in launch physics. You know, getting them to understand what it is we're trying to do and the numbers we're trying to achieve, even you know, just getting them to understand that, I think they can take that information and put that into their own golf game and golf swing and start to make better moves just because they have a better understanding.
1: Very true. Now, I had a couple more questions for you about putter specifically because I know you do a lot of putter fitting and finding a place that has putter fitting technology is. Not as easy as finding someone that can do had just has a launch monitor. Um, but what have you been seeing um as trends? You know, we've seen some trends here with uh with I mean mini mallets or mallets with flow necks have been really popular. And those are a lot of the new shapes from Odyssey, but um still, you know, a good number of players still like the classic blade or the face balanced um Mallet putter, but what have you been seeing, at least with with all the data and the technology that golfers have been gravitating towards?
0: I definitely think that the the trend is going away from the you know the traditional blade and more into the mallet. Um, you know, the, the the biggest thing for me though, and certainly when we're using our technology, I think the the number one key is the ability to deliver the club back to impact square. So. I have really two big points when I'm doing the fit. I want to have a club, a head shape, the amount of lines on the putter that, number one, help the player aim, and then number two, deliver it back to square at impact. Because, I mean, the ball goes where the face is pointed. So if you can't get those two right, you're really kind of going the wrong direction
2: completely agree with you and you mentioned utilizing Sam system and trackman as well what other what other uh, data points do you do you look at aside from face angle I mean do you look at spin do you look at impact location what else is important to you for the putter fit
0: well yeah definitely impact I want to see rotation you know of the head which you know we can get a lot of that with Sam as well as trackman I want to see how they're launching it um, certainly with the with the track man we're able to, to measure better you know, the the skid and the roll, so that's helped quite a bit. Um, for me, I'm seeing, and this is just kind of my own take on it, I'm getting a lot better results when I'm taking loft off the putter. I certainly see that as a good trend. Um, you know, going from like the three and four to the, you know, the one and a half area, I'm getting the ball to roll better, particularly on the turf that we play on here, um, which I would think would be totally different out west. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably want more loft out there than we need here. So that would be a big one for me is just making sure we can get it to roll better and launch it better. It's it's essentially like a driver, right?
1: Right. Now that's interesting about putter loft. Um, we've seen, you know, like on the West Coast Swing with Poana greens, you need more loft to get that ball up so that when it lands it, it rolls, especially grainy greens. So like the grain in Hawaii, for example, that Bermuda, that's really grainy. You need more loft. Uh, On that, but bent bent greens um, or really firm, smooth greens, you can use much less loft um, and get the ball rolling sooner. Yep,
2: you're exactly right. Go ahead, Tom.
0: Uh, No, that's just the information we're getting from you know different players and tour players that it seems like the trend is going down in loft, at least in this area where the greens are so hard and fast.
1: Interesting.
2: Yep. And, and don't, you know, this is kind of for the, for the listeners, but, you know, obviously don't forget about, you know, dynamic loft as well, right? You're, we're talking about adjusting the loft per the, per the turf that we play. But if you're the type of golfer like Zach Johnson or something like that, that has the hands pretty, pretty uh, equal exactly to, to, you know, to the ball. Or, you know, someone with a pretty severe forward press. We were talking arm lock and all that kind of right. stuff. So, you know, don't forget about that as well. Pretty important. Interesting.
0: No, I agree with that. And that's also why when I'm choosing a putter with someone, I tend to gravitate to putters that I can adjust, go bend.
1: Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, that works, especially especially when you when they'll be back and then you can mess with it with some feedback.
0: Yes. Like the number one putter for me this year was like an X07S. But I could, you know, I could do a lot with it. It was forgiving, but I could adjust the loft and lie on it in house as well as have it sent them that way. So just any putter that I can do some work on the back end with, I think, is, is a big help.
1: It sounds like golfers are uh, going to be in good hands when they work with you, Tom. So if any of uh, the fitting room listeners are either in the North Carolina area or uh, visiting, are, are they able to come uh, meet you?
0: They are. I, I work with members primarily, but I also have non member clients as well. And they are more than welcome to contact me and come for a lesson or a fitting.
1: All right. And the fittings, um, uh, the fittings could be any, any single element or the full bag. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, we do it by the element. It's $85 per element, or the full bag is $350. Um, and they can contact me to do either one of those or the entire bag, of course.
2: With all of your experience and everything, that seems like quite the
1: yeah, deal. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a premium fit if I ever heard one. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, awesome, Tom. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing with us the stuff that you've seen over this past year. We, we're we here stuck in the office so that we don't get to see and talk to as many golfers as you. So it's always a, a pleasure and a privilege to be able to talk to the people working firsthand with uh, golfers out there and helping them get dialed and play better golf.
0: Well, I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much.
1: Appreciate your time, Tom. Thank you.
0: Okay. Bye-bye.
1: All right, John. That was Tom Reem Callaway staffer, member of the Callaway Fitters Board, and the director of instruction from Presswood Country Club in North Carolina. I enjoyed that conversation. He's got a ton of experience.
2: Oh my gosh, it was great. He we could talk to him all day and yeah. and still learn, you know, still learn something new about each category that he works with. What
1: was one thing he said that's kind of stood out to you
2: as being the most memorable? I think the biggest thing was the the importance of the putter. I think a lot of people look over that. They walk into a shop, they walk into the store, they grab a putter they like. It feels good, and they just kind of walk out and they go about it, right? Yeah. Like I think I think something there to him spending the majority of the time on that that club that you're pretty much using, unless you chip in, that you're using on every single right. hole, right? It's critical. And the and data about loft was fascinating as well,
1: I thought. There. Absolutely,
2: yeah. I mean, for, for where they play or maybe the players he works with going down in loft one or two degrees, you know, um, I think I think that is special. Maybe
1: it could, I mean, tying to instruction, it could be like if his instruction for putting... His philosophy. Not, his yep. philosophy for putting does not include the like heavy shaft lean, right, a forward press then it would make sense to have a little less loft. Totally. Theoretically. but um, Spot on. But anyway, no, it's good to know that the tour players were seeing the same thing on tour as well.
2: What about you? What was the biggest thing you, you took away from Tom?
1: Uh, for me, it was the fitting the gaps because we talk so much about gaps on the show between driver and irons and irons and wedges or irons and putter, basically, like those gaps. Um, and actually doing, not even worrying about the gaps until the club, the driver and the irons are in. So that's pretty cool splitting it up so you have your actual set of irons before you're fitting for your fairways or your or your long hybrid and same same for your wedges. It's a it's a nice it's nice to be able to do that. It takes a little longer, but you know that you're going to be really confident with the results. I thought that having the, the, the making that part of his process, I think is awesome.
2: I completely like, and making sure that you come back fresh, right? You know, you you work on, you know, irons one day, you come back, you're fresh, you're ready for a driver the second day. I mean, that's, or, you know, a couple weeks later, that's a big deal. Right.
1: All right. Well, John, thanks for joining me again here in the fitting room, this episode of the fitting room. Well, the fitting room podcast is part of the Callaway podcast network. Um, always listen to the ship show, girls in golf, the putting podcast, and some of the other great original content from Callaway, like the new series Forefront. Check it out at CallawayGolf.com. You can listen to The Fitting Room every Monday night, or every Monday, a new podcast comes out, and you can also talk to us directly on Fitting Room Live on Sirius XM PGA Tour Radio every Monday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. You can ask questions directly to us on the show, call in. You can talk to John directly. You can also always get us on the Callaway community. Ask us questions there, callawaygolf.com slash community. And without further ado, this episode of the Fitting Room Podcast was produced by Daniel Burns and Tyler Sheehan and edited by Trevor McLarino. We will see you next time here, same place, same time next week here on the Fitting Room.